weaker sense of our national economic identity than do other similar nations. The contrast was right there on show. The French and Italian pavilions were huge and packed with national symbols, many of which were commercial in nature. For Italy, a Ducati motorbike, a massive designer shoe, a ceramics display. France had included a wine section, Louis Vuitton bags and a Michelin exhibit. The British pavilion had nothing made in Britain about it. Our modestly sized offering, designed by British architect Thomas Heatherwick, was less about product and more about art. Happily, I can report it really did shine out as one of the most visually striking and original sites in the whole compound, and that we had every reason to be proud of it. Unfortunately, visitors to the expo, who typically queued for several hours to enter a pavilion, were left a tad bewildered by the fact there was nothing inside except a structure of 60,000 acrylic needles, each of which contained seeds from Kew Gardens Millennium Seed Bank at Wakehurst in West Sussex. While they could enjoy posing for photos by a Ferrari in the Italian pavilion, what could they do in ours? There was clearly a demand for something more cheesy. Fortunately, a life-sized model of David Beckham was available outside to satisfy the punters. Our pavilion scored well in the high-concept stakes, but there was clear nervousness among the British staff as to whether that had been the right approach. Even before we arrived, it was being explained to us that the expo was not meant to be a trade fair and that our pavilion was very much in the intended spirit of the event. The implication was that other countries had perhaps cheated by trying to flog their wares. Nonetheless, there was an obvious sensitivity that although ours was clever, it was also insubstantial. Clever, yet insubstantial. These are two important words, because for many who worry about Britain's economic direction in recent decades, our pavilion represented as good a symbol of our economy as anything the Italians and French were using to symbolise theirs. Britain's economy is flashy on the outside, its critics would say, but it's empty within. There's a gaping hole in the middle because we simply don't make enough. That empty pavilion was a great place to start an exploration of what we do as a nation to pay our way. What on earth would we have put inside a more commercial pavilion had we chosen to build one like the French and Italians? Well, the answer is that despite the fact that we have only 1% of the world's population and 5% of the developed world's population, we do have a number of world-class industries and firms. We might have chosen pharmaceuticals. Britain has two of the ten largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. We could have put up an exhibit on our defence and aerospace industries. We're large players in both, with a 9% share of the global market in defence and about 17% of aerospace. We could have had a large display on BP, Shell and North Sea oil and gas extraction. And then we could also have had a large stand dedicated to our world-renowned banking and insurance industries. They may not be visually very impressive, but love them or hate them, they remain two of our big earners. Finally, we might have tried to dazzle the crowd with some of our cars. I say our cars, but our most impressive mass-produced vehicles are perhaps the Japanese models we manufacture and export so well, like the Honda Civic, made in Swindon, and the Nissan Duke and Qashqai, which are made in Sunderland. So yes, we can match the world's best, 
but for many reasons the average Briton is probably barely aware that these industries could showcase the country abroad, let alone is proud of them, in the way the Germans delight in their cars and the Italians are smug about their fashion. This book tries to show that although we may not have as many cash-generating industries as we might like, we could still at least fill the Albert Hall with the ones we've got, let alone an expo pavilion. Over the course of filming and writing made in Britain, I've been rather lucky to see and experience some of the most interesting products that the British are involved in making. The new McLaren MP412C sports car, for example, Britain's answer to the Ferrari. Designed for use on the roads, fitted as it is with cup holders, and on the track, accelerating from zero to 100 kilometres per hour in 3.3 seconds, it'll go on sale for about £170,000.